I want to know how a warehouse filled with such creative talent see that craft. YouTube is an amazing source of information. Um, and, and yeah, just go to classes, dip in, dip out. And one of the things that I would love to see down the line would be, say, a coding. A coding that could potentially be interactive in nature. It was a great big, obviously unfulfilled desire in me to, to, to make something, to do something creative. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to the second episode in uh, this audio project that I've put together uh, called the Wimbledon Warehouse of Art. Um, to recap... I am interested in interviewing a series of artists well-established uh, in this local little warehouse in uh, Wimbledon, South London. And uh, I have the pleasure of uh, having yet another accomplished individual in front of me in this uh, beautiful studio today. Um, and I'm excited to spend uh, the next 20-30 minutes with you to, uh, to get a bit of insight into what's going on in that brain of yours. I'm joined by a lady called Carolyn Tripp. And uh, why don't I hand it over to you. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what brings you to this point in your, your life? Oh, well, thank you, Hans. Yes, um, it's a pleasure to have you in my studio. Um, I came to Wimbledon Art Studios uh, last summer, actually. I Previously, I'd been working in Peckham in a railway arch with a group of people that I'd graduated from Camberwell College of Arts um, with. And I graduated about 20, 25 years ago. I don't exactly remember when. Um, but I graduated with a degree in ceramics. Uh, I was late going into it. I'd had a career first in advertising mm -hmm. and uh, never really happy doing that. Had not been allowed to do art at school. Um, desperately wanted to be on the creative side and advertising wasn't. I was on the management side. And I guess I got the chance to take a sabbatical. And during that sabbatical, I had some evenings free mm -hmm. and uh, the evenings meant I could go along to a pottery class or a stained glass class and things I'd always wanted to do since a child. And I loved them, fell in love. I can still remember the very first time I made a piece, a pot, basically. It was a bowl. Yeah. Uh, it's in a studio of a guy called Barry Guppy uh -huh. in Pimlico. Um, I remember just standing staring at this thing saying, gosh, I made that. I can't believe I made that. And it's a really good feeling to make something. So one thing led to another. I ended up doing an art access course, which is the equivalent of an A-level, because uh, I'd got no art training from school at mm -hmm. all. And um, when I finished that course, I had a portfolio, and I thought, well, a bit of a waste just sitting there. So I applied to Camberwell mm -hmm. and got onto the ceramics degree. And that's really when, you know, sort of my happy working life started, if, if you like. I absolutely loved the degree. As a mm -hmm. mature student, half of us were mature students. That was really encouraging, actually. Um, and just loved it. I was there from the moment it opened in the morning, eight o'clock, till the moment it closed in the evening, mm -hmm. 8 p.m. Uh, the facilities were great. Unfortunately, the course no longer exists. Like a lot of these things, it was closed down and sort of lots of graphic design and things have taken over. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I went to Peckham with people after I graduated, set up a studio, promptly had a couple of children. So that put me on a bit of a back burner and then started to sort of pick things up and, and dip in and out of making ceramics. Uh, it was probably when I got a teaching job that really got me well back into it, having to look at all the different ways of making. Mm -hmm. At college, I'd concentrated on slip casting and I'd worked at Wedgwood yeah. in Stoke for a little while. And um, when I started teaching, I had to remember how to do all the other things um, that you can do with clay. 
And so, yeah, that really got me back into doing all sorts of things. And uh, I carried on slip casting for a while. And in recent years, I changed towards throwing. And uh, I now absolutely love my wheel. It's got me through some tough times. <laughs> uh, it's a form of therapy, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I throw with porcelain and I decorate my wear in, I suppose, a style that you could say is reminiscent of Chinese or Japanese wear. It's quite highly coloured. I use underglazes. I screen print the design. Uh, the designs are uh, very personal. There's a lot of words hidden in there. There's there's words from poems I wrote as a teenager, mm -hmm. angst-filled teenager. Um, <laughs> but you piece. won't find them because I cut them up and patch them up, but they're in there. So each, each of my pieces, um, having done slip casting where everything is sort of like churning out, if you like, the same thing, um, I wanted to, to start working in a way that each piece was different, and that's what I do now. Uh, as I say, I moved here to be in my own studio, a bit closer to where I live. Mm -hmm. um, very happy here because I managed to, I walk here with my dog in the morning. So she's exercised, I'm exercised. <laughs> we do a day's work and then we walk home again. So <laughs> it's um, it's a happy life, actually. It's good. That's it's excellent. good. I was wondering, um, so we, we were speaking a little bit before we, we turned on the, uh, the, uh, the interview uh, machinery. Uh, and I was curious to, to hear... Um, prior to joining the Wimbledon uh, studios uh, and where we are today, what what did you do in in in, in the last few years? If you just reflect uh, to get to where you are now, um, really, uh, I think that obviously I was a mother, two children, I still am, but they're teenagers, quite old teenagers now, so they've got they're much more independent. Mm -hmm. So time was a big element. I I didn't have a great deal of it, um, but I was slip casting, selling work on not on the high street. Um, little bowls that were hand decorated. Uh, wasn't really that happy doing it because I was sort of, as I say, doing it was sort of too many people were wanting four or five or six. That sounds great because yeah. you think your people are buying them. But when you're faced with having to make 20 of the same thing of an evening or, you know, it, it's not really that much fun. And I wanted to be a lot more creative, if you mm. like, and, and work on my own um, ideas rather than things that were fitting into people's homes because from a design point of view, yes. if you like. So yeah. what I do now is is very much more me. I'm very happy. And I think that sometimes, you know, it's really hard when you, when you are doing something creative because obviously you've got to sell your work to mm. make the money to pay for being able to make your work. Um, and it's really hard. And sometimes it's you sort of desperately try and look for the right thing and what's going to fit in. And actually... This thing that I'm doing now that has proved to be quite successful evolved. It happened. It came through a period of time um, where actually my mum was very ill. She was diagnosed with cancer. She eventually right. died. But for about 18 months, I was traveling every week up and down the motorway to be with her for two or three days of the week, mm -hmm. which meant that this having to produce these orders every night wasn't that easy. Yeah. And so in a way, I sort of had to make a change. Something in life had to give so that I could spend the time with my mum that I really wanted to. And it was that that gave. And it was sometimes it's really hard to stop doing something that you don't enjoy in order to find the thing you are going to enjoy when you don't know what that is yet. Yeah. And so in a way, I took back to my wheel because the wheel was just I remembered the love of throwing. I remember the love of the feel of the clay in your hands. And I wanted to have something to take my mind off all the terrible things that were happening. And so the clay um, and the wheel 
you know, helped me through this really difficult time. And through that time, you know, one thing led to another and I started decorating things in a certain way and doing things. And, and my mum loved what I was doing. And that's a big, big thing. Yeah. So a lot of the words in my pots do relate to my mum. Um, and, yeah, she really loved and supported what I was doing. And so it evolved. And I think that, you know, you can't force things. And that's something that's really important um, for everybody to remember. And, and so we do have a lot of frustration. We do have times when nothing's coming out. Yeah. And I'm just on a bit of a wave at the moment. So that's great. And, you know, my work's been very well received um, in the last year or so since I launched it. Excellent. So, yeah, it's... Um, no, that, that, that's, uh, that, that gives, uh, gives a lot of context, I think. Um, especially, I think, the journey is one of the things that I've, I've, um, I'm, I'm interested in hearing about because one of the things that I, I'm curious about when it comes to um, you know, someone who's doing this as, as their living, as their, as their craft, their, their day-to-day, it demands a lot of, of courage to first of all do it, um, but also how do you get to this point? And, and I think one of the things I'd like to, to maybe look at is if we can go further back. So now I know a little bit about how you ended with your current product, but if you were to really go back down memory lane mm-hmm. and, and think back on the moment where you decided, let me try and pursue this. You mentioned leaving the advertisement uh, uh, career that you started with. What happened uh, to make you take that jump? It's a bold jump. Well, I think that it wasn't really a jump. And that's the point. It seems like it might have been a jump, but actually it happened over a period of time. So I left advertising. I went traveling. That was, you know, a revelation and wonderful. I hadn't managed to do it when I was younger. So I saw parts of the world I'd never thought I'd see and loved it, Mm -hmm. met people. Um, And when I came back, I knew I didn't want to work in advertising. I knew I had to work. So I did lots of jobs. And in fact, I was probably working sort of six days a week doing various marketing jobs, helping people out, charities, odd things. And um, what that meant, though, was that I had my evenings free. Mm -hmm. And in advertising, I'd never had my evenings free. I'd been working till 11 o'clock. I might be up in Birmingham one night. I'd always be cancelling on people. So... With those free evenings, I took full advantage. I'd always, as a child, um, made things. I loved Blue Peter. Um, I loved making things. I loved, I printed my own fabric. I used to make clothes. They weren't very nice. (laughs) But um, I was always doing things, making things. And it was a real clear area. I remember at school longing to do art, longing to do cookery, longing to do sewing. But I was deemed to be academic and so not allowed to do those things. And um, so it was a it was a great big obviously unfulfilled desire in me to 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 make something to do something creative. Mm-hmm. So those evening classes, which I loved, and anyone who knows me will know that I'm quite industrious. And once I put my mind to something, I'll really start making things. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I was there, you know, every week making lots of things and then giving them to people who were liking them and getting lots of positive feedback. And um, yeah, I, and I did stained glass and I do stained glass for people. I'd sell that to people, give that to people. And um, yeah, I just, you know, one thing led to another. And then I did the art access course. And I think that's probably the point where I felt, you know, actually I can do drawing. I can do these things. I mean, I might not be brilliant at them, mm. but I, I'm okay. And it's making me feel good. And I think when you find something that makes you feel good, you want to pursue it further. So my life changed. I was no longer going out and buying the things I used to buy when I worked in advertising. I was very fortunate that I'd managed to secure a home by that Mm. point in time. So I had somewhere to live in the rising prices of London, which is really hard. Um, You know, that that made a big difference. But, um, 
yeah, I think it, it didn't wasn't a great big leap. It was little steps. And I think that's a really important thing for people who might want to try and change what they're doing is, you know, you just dip your toe in. Even now, I still teach one day a week. I help to run a social enterprise uh, where we work with adults recovering from mental health issues called Studio 306. Based up in North London, I hashtag teach... Hashtag Studio 306. Hashtag Studio 306. <laughs> or hashtag Recovery Through Creativity. That's what we, that's what we say. Good. But it's, um, yeah, it's great. It takes a lot of my energy. Um, and I also used to t- do a little bit more day teaching. Uh, and I've had to stop that. And again, you know, there's, there's a point when you can't do everything. And so I now teach the one day a week. And I occasionally do an evening class one weekend locally. So I can concentrate on my own work. And again, that's the thing. I sort of tentatively put a few pieces of work into the London Potter's Christmas um, exhibition. Mm -hmm. I got awarded a prize and they sold on the opening night. So I was like, wow. So then I applied for the next exhibition. I got invited to do that and I sold work. And so, again, it's a gradual thing. And then I applied for other bigger exhibitions in, in craft fairs and I got in and I sold work. And it's still, there is still that sort of quite, weird imposter thing that you can get where you know someone's buying a piece of work from you that's 400 pounds and you're thinking really you know are they do they really want it you know and actually I don't know this person so they really do want the work and um you know you do sometimes think gosh really is this really happening um but it's wonderful it's really wonderful yeah really wonderful and you know what that links with the one of the other questions I wanted to cover a bit um when we actually talk about your art you talk about Mm. you went to art fairs and started getting picking you started getting picked up um, and, and you saw there was an audience that was interested uh, in, in what you had to uh, give. Um, and I think one of the things I'd be keen to, to get your view on is, is what is it that you're trying to convey with your, your, your work? Is there any emotions or any messages or any, anything hidden in there that you want to get across when someone looks at what you are crafting? I, I think, I mean, several people have, have um, commented on my work. There was one sort of review written of the first mm-hmm. uh show I was in with London Potters or the second show but this one was at Holland Park and they said it was work that stopped you in your tracks and made you look um which I quite like that description of it um somebody else um has said that sometimes it looks like it's been buried and dug up which is you know some of the greener work that I do um with the copper glaze it it does look like it's almost like an antique so it's like a modern antique if you like it's it's got an age to it a quality but really it's about creating beautiful things um and that's usually what happens is people come into my studio come to see me at shows and they say oh, I love it I love it um that would look and that would look so nice on my side I've had quite a few sales where people have seen my work at shows and then I've had their husbands email me sort of you know or even their wives their wives as well email me sort of a few months later it's their birthday what have you got in yeah. the blue range or the red range or the black range you know whichever range it is but they usually you know they have an idea of how it's going to fit into their home I think it you want I I hope it's collectible I hope it's covetable I like people to hold it because it's you know there's a feel to porcelain and you know there are little messages there are little designs and so I hope that you can move it around and get a little different viewpoint it also looks nice in groups so people often will come in and say well I've got to have three you know groups of three are good No, and I was one of the things that I picked up on when I saw some of your. You mentioned the the age 
age bit on your green range. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a bit of, of, of jade quality, which, yeah. which I can imagine as and well. The, you know, there is an influence from Chinese ceramics, Japanese ceramic. Yeah. I spend a lot of um, time in terms of my research uh, at the V&A, mm, uh, yes. the amazing ceramic galleries Beautiful. on the V&A. And I can easily spend a day there uh, sketching, just looking. And they move the display around quite a lot, which is always useful. Yeah. Uh, and marvelling, really, at what they were able to create all those years ago yeah, yeah, yeah. without uh, some of the modern you know, things that we have <laughs> that help us somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I appreciate the uh, the comments. And uh, I it prompted me to actually do another reflection with you because the, the, the concept of holding something, um, so dear to me is, is absolutely that connection with 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 what uh, you know what I can feel. It's a sense. Yeah, I mean, when I make the pieces, yeah. it's the feel of the clay, the the porcelain that I'm throwing. I've had a very long day of throwing today. Yeah, it's the feel of the clay between my hands, between my fingers, my fingertips. That really is beautiful, and the flow of of the work as it's sort of rising from the wheel. And I never set out to throw a certain thing, if mm-hmm. you like. I do ha- probably have in mind what I'm going to do, uh, roughly, but the clay can dictate which way it's going to go sometimes. And so I like the element of surprise in a way that each piece is going to be different. Yeah. And, and it's I'm not... I do sometimes throw, um, you know, the same thing. Uh, I do little jugs and things, which I will just knock off and throw them at. But each of my pieces that I decorate and the way that I decorate are pieces that are created from the piece of clay that I've I've wedged up and you know lovingly reclaimed wedged up put together it takes yeah. a long time yeah. and then the throwing element is obviously only one part of it but it's the start of it the yeah. really important start of it if you think about uh, the, the the people who buy your ceramics do you have some sort of ideal location that you would like it to be um, displayed in i know some artists like uh, private homes others are, mm. are meant for galleries do you have mm. any sort of preference i mean i i think ultimately um it w- would be wonderful wouldn't it one day to have a piece of work in somewhere like the vna but yeah. um it's not happened one yet day. One, day. one day one day <laughs> uh but ultimately people are buying something from me to put somewhere or to give to someone yeah. and that they've got that person or that place in mind they will often send me pictures uh, via Instagram of where they put the work. And I do encourage people to nice. do that because it's really nice to see. Yeah. I've got one piece of work that someone um, has in New York and it's got the most amazing view of uh, of the river. Nice. The Hudson River. So, they, you know, a fantastic view. Great, a great apartment. Yeah. Um, other people like to position it next to something else that they've got because a lot of people who you know, really interested in ceramics are buying all sorts of different things and putting them together. I do it myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm a collector of ceramics and I love uh, moving the ceramics around my house and grouping them in different ways, different mm. makers. Uh, I really enjoy doing that. There are some special pieces that I, I don't sell straight away that I keep back because mm-hmm. actually they're too precious to me. Um, and eventually I might release them. I might not. You know, I might you just take them home. <laughs> I do. Uh, you know, I, I do get quite attached to them, yeah. actually. So uh, there is one one of my fa- most favorite pieces uh, actually was bought by a, a fellow ceramicist. Uh-huh. And... Um, yeah, I actually love going to his house and seeing it, <laughs> picking it up and touching it. And he, but he understands, so that's okay. That's okay. I'm not weird. <laughs> that's great. Okay, so so it's really it's it's not a specific place, but you, no. You know, I mean, I will be. Um, I'm. I've got about four galleries that my work is going into. Cool. Um, in 
I think I think May. I yeah. think most of the exhibitions are kicking off in May, and they're spread throughout the country. There's gotcha. one down in in um, Devon. There's one in uh, Surrey. There's one in um, Leeds, mm-hmm. and then there's going to be one in Newcastle. Good. So um, we're actually getting up north. Yeah, it's so it's good. All right. So one of the things I'd like to look at a little bit more. I want to zoom out a bit, and 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 let's let's put a little bit of an abstraction hat on. If you look at the the mind of an artist, being a creator, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about the fact that you you felt it from early days that you wanted to create something. One of the things that that I'm keen to hear your opinion on is if you think about the act of creation, do you think it is a, a in human nature, or do you think it it requires a certain wiring in your brain to create? Yeah, I I think that it's innate within us all, and I think that it can be knocked out of us, um, often as children. Mm. Uh, if you're told you're not good at something, you know that that can make you not want to do it anymore, and that can go for anything, can't it? Not just creativity. Yeah. I had a particular drawing tutor at Camberwell um, who made me feel very small, and uh, she knocked a lot of confidence out of me. I don't think she meant to, mm. but just the way she was. Um, with me and what I'd done maybe she I know she didn't like it so (laughs) that's fine but equally there were other people who made me feel you know pretty good about what I could do it it doesn't take much to stop someone from doing something and I think that there's a lot uh, to be done uh, as parents as mentors of young people in helping them build up a resilience to the knockbacks that you can get in life because, you know, there is that famous sort of saying, or anyone can draw, and you can get books that says, you know, anyone can draw yeah. and do, and I, I believe it, they yeah. really can. And yeah. and I, especially my work with mental health, I'll have people saying, I can't do this. Um, I'm not any good at this. Yeah. You know, people do love to be self-depreciating. And when they've been through some of the situations, some of the people I work with have been through, it's no wonder that they're self-depreciating. And you know, I, I'm really encouraging and it's sort of like, you know, that you can always see a value in, in what you do. Mm. It might not be a masterpiece, but it's still something you've created. Yeah. And I think, again, it's going back to that step by step by step. You you can't expect to be doing fabulous drawing until you've started learning and, and making mistakes. You know, I throw and very often, I mean, a lot of my clay will get recycled every day because it doesn't go quite right and there's some days when nothing goes right Mm. and I know that's the day to just pack up go home (laughs) do something else but um I think it's really important that you don't put pressure on yourself and you know when you enjoy something does it matter you know how good you are does it you know but I do believe anyone can be creative they really can it's just you need the right people around you encouraging you um, and, and helping you to grow. And, and if you're being knocked back by someone, find other people. You know, go and find some friends who are supporting you. You know, if you're, if you're not allowed to express yourself yeah. uh, and be comfortable with it, find some people who are going to support you. And there's people out there. And you know, one, 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 other, one last piece on this one. So if you were now talking to a person who was an advertising manager mm-hmm. uh, and you, were, you felt that they wanted to go down the same route that you've done, mm-hmm. how would you advise them, a simple piece of advice to, to start moving in that direction? How to move from that profession that takes all of that time into this very different realm? Well, nowadays, there's lots and lots of classes in something like ceramics. And uh, there's weekend classes, there's evening classes. So I would definitely say 
do a class. I would say if you want to do throwing, take a week off work, use a week of your holiday and go on a throwing holiday. You know, do that. I wouldn't necessarily say go and do a degree because mm. it's very, very expensive now. I've got a son doing a degree at the moment. I know how much it costs. <laughs> There's lots of ways to learn something. Uh, YouTube is an amazing source of information. And, and yeah, just go to classes, dip in, dip out, go and do training. I still train. I still, uh, every year, every six months, whenever I feel I need it, when I get to a point where I'm up against, I'm getting a bit stuck, I want to do something, it's not working, I will go and find somebody who is ahead of me and I will email them mm. and see if they're willing to give me a, a, some time to teach me. Um, and I have, I, I sort of allow myself the luxury of spending money on learning still because it is a learning it's a constant learning um thing that i'm doing really yeah, yeah. and i would yeah i definitely just say to someone take take a break take a holiday don't in a way you know dip in see if you like it and then if you do go on a week's holiday learn that then there's lots of them around you can go to nice places you know yeah. you don't have to go to a horrible place you can go to wonderful countries and do it and when you're doing something like throwing uh it is about being on it the whole time yeah. it's it's you know that's the luxury of doing a degree you you are on it every day yeah. um and that's really important you don't want to just come one week and if you're serious about it take some time off work and do it use your holiday yeah I mean, definitely i think that's a good piece of advice um so note that anyone um <laughs> okay so now looking at, at, a, at a, a very different tangent but actually linking with your comment on on youtube so one of the other things that I want to get a conversation on is um, based on my own background, I'm very interested in seeing how um, uh, art, the scene of art as a whole, um, ceramics being one of that uh, component, one of those di dimensions, what the world of art is going to look like in the next 5, 10, 20 years. We are seeing a world that is becoming more and more uh, connected, more and more digital um, and and a lot of the engagement and um, and activity that that people nowadays do, if you look at younger generations especially, they engage through devices, through media, through social channels. Um, and I'm keen to understand what does the, the the scene of art, the role of art, look like in that future dystopia or utopia i don't know mm. but i'm keen to get your take on it so if you look at your craft from that lens where do you see what you do now in five ten twenty years well when i started there were no well maybe there were mobile phones just but there certainly wasn't um you know the internet and internet on our phones um so when i left camberwell uh we were left with the advice to contact galleries you know you write letters you take your slides you send off to five galleries you come back uh, they come back to you if they if they want your work great if they don't then you go into your next five on your list and um, that's what I left college with that tool and then you know Facebook Instagram all these things um, started I'm lucky in that I've got two teenagers who are mm. very media savvy social mm. media savvy they can help me although they do find me very slow mm. um, but I've found that you know, things like Instagram in particular have been amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's just going to grow because nowadays, if we want something, we look online and we find it. You know, there's no encyclopedias anymore. There's no, you know, it, literally we don't need to look at A to Zs anymore. Yeah. We just get that instant, here it is. And I'm well into that now, as, as most people are. And so I think with the art world, I do find that... Um, 
people, I mean, I'm obviously in more of a craft world mm -hmm. historically, although obviously ceramics is crossing into the art world yeah, quite sure. rightly. Um, but people do uh, find me, you know, if someone sees me at an exhibition or, or maybe sees my work um, in a gallery or something, they will find me and they will say, I'm interested in this. I'm, you know, can I come and talk to you about this? And so you are very visible. The Internet makes you very visible. Yeah. Um, things, social media makes you very visible. And I'm so far haven't had any negative. It's mm -hmm. only been positive for me. And I think in the world of art, that's probably generally the case. Yeah. I think that what it's going to do is just make it more accessible to people. There's so many things out there. I mean, are keeping your feeds fresh and not overwhelming. That's something I think we all have to be careful about with, yeah. with the internet. And I certainly, you know, I can get really addicted to something like Instagram and, mm -hmm. and uh, trawl through it. YouTube. I do find YouTube videos of people throwing incredibly relaxing. Yeah. So, you know, when sometimes when I'm a bit stuck, that might be my first port of call, you know, so let's watch a few of the Chinese masters throwing large pots with small necks or yeah, something. Yeah. And you do pick things up. People are incredibly generous. I mean, yeah. I, I'm surprised at how generous people are on these mediums. And I thank them because they've really helped me. And I know that, you know, pottery in particular, ceramics is a very generous area. People do ask advice all the time of me. I ask advice of others and yeah. it's very, very generous. You very rarely find someone who says, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, generally, it's a very sharing, caring world that we live in. Yeah. For me, it's a fantastic vehicle to get my photographs out there. I'm currently, um, we're talking now in March yeah. and I'm currently in the middle of a March meet the maker hashtag where every day I'm responding to a question Today was what is the least glamorous side of what you do. And um, today I was pictured myself with a big bag of clay saying heaving things around because, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of clays heavy and yeah. the work I pack up to take to shows is heavy. Yeah. And yeah. actually I could do without that bit of it, but yeah, it's yeah. part of it. So, yeah, but it, what that does is it gives people a little uh, look in to what we're doing without sure. us trying to look like we're trying to sell stuff because we're not, you know, so if people want to buy something, they, they do come to me and buy it. Yeah. But yeah, so I think the internet for art is a good thing. Yeah, I think it's 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 positive. It what it's going to do to galleries in the future, I don't know because it you know people can come direct. People realise the commissions that galleries take, you know, fifty percent uh, markup. So if you're an artist, you know, uh, you know, even if you were to sell that product at sort of seventy five percent, you're getting more money and and you know making art, particularly in London, yeah, is expensive. You know, it's not cheap. Out of interest, if you look at the way that, that you find your audience the most at the moment, is it still through the, 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 the traditional, let me go to an art fair, have a, a display or gallery showcase on my pieces, or are you seeing an increase of, of your your purchases or your orders come in from online channels directly at you? I mean, generally, it is the art fairs, yeah. because one, the work I've got is is made for those fairs mm -hmm. i have various fairs throughout the year and i work towards them and actually the rest of the time i'm not you know the studio is not set up for selling at the moment yeah, as you can see it's yeah. got lots of work in progress yeah. everywhere and i have deadlines in my mind of when i have to think i have things ready for but i do after an art fair get a lot of people contacting me saying do you still have that green pot that was third from the left on the whatever and yeah. often i'll have to say i'm really sorry i don't yeah. um uh so 
but you know sometimes I do or show me what you've got in your green range and so I'll take pictures of them and yeah. I'll email them to them or you know message them with yeah. them and um, they'll come back to me and I'll just post them off to them if they want to buy them so you know again the internet making payment is very very easy so yeah. I can give them my bank details they can do a bank transfer I can post the stuff off so it makes it very easy yeah. and then uh, that's interesting as well to hear how it's developing I'm sure it's still a journey now let's look at the the craft itself and let's let's really look let's look at some boundaries do you ever can you ever imagine that your your let's say we take one of your ceramics that are are raw mm. and, and and not finished do you see eventually that that couldn't be embedded or enhanced with some sort of of digital technology oh i don't know about that i hadn't thought about that um Yeah, I mean, I suppose I I don't. I've never thought about having digital technology in it. I mean, one of the things with my ceramic pots is they're going to go in the kiln. Yeah. And they're going to go to about 1,260 degrees. So, yeah. And I think digital might well have frazzled in that. <laughs> so I suppose the only way um, you can see that happening is when you sort of photograph it and use the digital photograph in some way. I don't see anything digital within, within my work particularly, no. Yeah. I think... You know, my work's about my hands making the marks yeah. on on the work, whether it be in, through making it or through decoration. Yeah, yeah, and it's going back to basics, which, you know, is something that's very appealing and and more so. You know, as we probably become more digital, we yeah. like to revert back to the more, you know, handmade um, items. No, and and I think uh, I think you know to your point of it needs to be here up to a yeah. <laughs> quite a high level. It's probably <laughs> going to destroy a lot of stuff. But I think one of the things that I, I find interesting as we look at at um, the the scene, we're seeing more and more uh, possibilities with it, and who knows where it's going to end up. And one of the things that I would love to see down the line would be say a coding, a coding that could potentially be interactive in nature. Okay, yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that within the decoration or something. Yes. Talking of digital, my kiln is digital. Oh. <laughs> so my my controller is very digital. So digital that when I got the kiln last summer, it took me ages to <laughs> understand it because I'm much more used to the old types of controllers. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's an innovation within ceramics, digital controllers, really digital. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, it's coming, I'm sure. Yeah. But it, again, it's one of those that, I, that, I, that will continue down the route on and we'll see where it goes. But it's good to know. Yeah. Now, we're coming towards the end of our little uh, chapter today. And one of the things that I like to uh, finish on is really a, a a bit of of advice. So, to all of those budding artists out there, is there one piece of advice that you would like to end the session on? Okay, I'd say don't give up. And I'd say do a little bit every day. Because when you do a little bit every day, it ends up being quite a lot after a while. And you can look back and think, oh, I've done that rather than I want to do that. And that's a really good feeling. So I think that would be it. Beautiful ending. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everyone, Hansa, the creator of the show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you want more, just uh, click next and uh, enjoy the next episode. Uh, I also want to give a big thank you to the Wimbledon Art Studios for making this happen. Uh, thank you for the collaboration and uh, enjoy. Enjoy.